Napa know-how. Every car on the road today deserves quality parts and Napa know-how, but none more than your dream car, especially if you've got it 10 years after it came out. Boy, did your patience pay off, because here you are toting your swagger about town like the gentleman motorist you are at a fraction of the cost. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your dream car running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the first FES of 2017. Welcome to the first podcast in about 17 days. I am Jason. <laughs> I am your co-host. Joining me are the boys. I'm assuming some relaxed and refreshed gentlemen after celebrating their various WOG Christmases. Joining me is a man who has recently been combining a love of indulgence, Christmas indulgence, with a mixture of fitness. Dave, how are you, mate? Excellent, mate. Uh, I knew you were going to bring that up. Uh, yeah, it's not a New Year's resolution because yeah. I started it before the New Year. But yeah, I actually joined a gym, believe it or not. Those yes. of you who know me will find that very hard to believe. But yeah, I've been uh, hitting it, lifting as Buds would say. You're looking good already. Um, you're very looking very holiday summery-ish. You're wearing the uh, the Melbourne Victory 10-year um Commemoration polo, silver member 2014-15, uh, wearing some shorts. Usually you come here in a bit of a suit and tie, get up on a Monday afternoon, but it's, you know, it's Move summer. on to the next person, mate. <laughs> no, how, how are you? How is Christmas? Terrific, mate. Really Beautiful. good. I actually go back to work tomorrow, so ease back into, into the work routine with one day this week, and then, yeah, hit it hard again next week. Beautiful man of the people, Buds, is here also. How are you, Buds? Great. Uh, happy to be here after almost uh, almost dying on the way here to the podcast that never was. Last week, yeah. Week. So it wasn't our intention to have 17 days off. We did plan to have a podcast uh, in the can last Thursday. Uh, we were planning to, to do it. And then I think you both were on your way here. And then the heavens opened, the skies opened, and the rain came tumbling down. Mm-hmm. And flash flooding, all that kind of jazz. And uh, were the ra- roads blocked up? Yeah, I, I pretty much followed the whole storm. I came from Chelsea, yep, from where I originated, where I'm still the king of. <laughs> He's so, still the king of Chelsea. So I just I rolled out of my parents' place, went to the beach, and then had to get off Nepean Highway because it was flooded, and then went through East Bentley, Moorabbin, because Nepean Highway was screwed, and then South Road was screwed. Warrigal Road was screwed. I went through through Dave's hood. I wooded Dave up. I said, mate, you got to leave now. <laughs> you have to leave now. I'm sending photos of, like, these fucked up roads. And then, like, 25 minutes later, Dave goes, oh, my wife said the roads are fucked. I better leave soon. I'm yep. like, oh, man, it's over. <laughs> then my wife ended up ringing me going, the house is flooded. So I had to go home. Yeah, it wasn't to be, unfortunately, but we are back this week. Uh, yeah, as I said, refreshed, relaxed, ready to go. Joining us this week is a, a guy who's been on, this is the third time you've been on, Chris Beanhead Bentley. Thank you for coming on at the last minute. We did have a, a last minute cancellation, unfortunately. Tony Ising was supposed to be on. I was going to ask who uh, dropped out for me to get the call can't, again. Can't rely on Tony Ising for anything, really. Uh, hopefully he'll be back, back on in the next few weeks or so. But Chris Beanhead Bentley stepped up to the plate and uh, is joining us. Thank you for, uh, for joining us and uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all that kind of stuff. Thank how, you, how was it uh, all for you? It was good. It was my first Christmas to the father. She yes, some cre- congratulations. Yeah, congratulations and celebrations. I think uh, the last time we spoke to you, you might have been on maybe about three months ago, and it was obviously the, the bun was well and truly in the oven, and oh, yeah. uh, that bun has now come out of the oven, uh, a little girl named Hazel. Yep. And the most, I guess, notable thing about this is this is, we can confirm, is the first ever Terrace baby. So a baby that was basically only here because of Melbourne Victory. So you met your your lovely wife, Mal, in the terrace how long ago? Uh, that'd be just over 10 years now. Yep. So start of the 2006 season. 
Yep. And yeah, the Hazel's entire life revolves around victory. She was signed up for a VUC membership before the birth certificate was even even looked at. And how, how old was she before she actually made an appearance on the terrace? Um, she would have been three weeks old in the first game. Yep. She'd only been out of the hospital, I think, oh, a couple of days <laughs> at most. Yeah. So, yeah, massive... Uh, Massive news. Uh, yeah, congratulations. And, yeah, the Terrace Baby, the first and, ever. And congratulations on the uh, result this morning as well. Yeah, Bud's brought up Chelsea. It was a different Chelsea, but fuck you, you chav cunts. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're a big Spurs man, of course. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, all those things out of the way. Let's get on to a big edition of Vuck's Sake, our first one for 2017, as we mentioned. We're going to look ahead or look back, actually, um, over the last two games, uh, one against Central Coast and then also one against Newcastle. Member of the week returns. Uh, we still haven't thought of one just yet. We better think of one within about five minutes. Uh, victory in business. We're going to talk about uh, the article during the week about Victory's strides in the business world and how we're now more profitable almost than the FFA. So a few things to talk about that. And then we'll look ahead to the next match and maybe hypothesise a little bit about who's going to step up for the victory over the next few weeks in a every packed schedule. Music theme is going to be, well, 2016. What a notable year that was for many things. The rise of Trump, uh, Brexit. What else am I thinking of? Heaps of stuff. But most notably, the, uh, the many, many celebrity deaths, including many musicians. So what we're going to do, we're going to do a music theme based upon the fallen stars of 2016. Bit of Prince. Bit of Prince, of course. Bowie. Bowie. Oh, we don't have a victory secret to uh, roll out George Michael, do we? No, and R.I.P. George Michael, of course. Yeah. A, uh, I guess you can call him a regular of uh, of FVS. Yeah, yeah. What's great about all this now is that what's all, great about well, people dying. I mean, you, you have to always find a diamond in the rough. And what's great about celebrities dying, especially musicians, is that it becomes less and less. Uh, easier, or uh, sorry, it becomes harder for them to sue you for copyright infringement for using their songs in the podcast. Just their estate does it now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> funny enough though. So one of the, I think, I think a pretty well-known thing is that Prince, you could never watch a Prince music video on YouTube, and then once he died, everyone uploaded Prince music, and now you can actually listen to Prince on on YouTube. Better play a Prince track then. Nice little, yeah, nice little, uh, nice little fact. So let's kick off the new year. By looking back at the fallen stars of 2016, this is for Vuck's sake. A much-loved sponsor of Avuxake is Ambrosia Fold Designs. Uh, as seen on the block and married at first sight, you can find them at Unit 1, number 15, Assembly Drive in Tullerine. They specialise in all things floral, weddings and corporate events. Ambrosia also offer floral workshops which make great gift ideas. They are open by appointment only. You can call Leanne today on 9338-3609 and don't forget to mention FVS to receive a 10% discount off your next order. So, boys, you'll notice now that I have laminated my sponsor sheet. Ultra professional. Yeah. Super. Yeah. Does this mean no more new sponsors? It's laminated. No, no. That's we're it. always opening more sponsors. Uh, but, yeah, I think I, you know, we had 17 days off, so I had some time to organise myself. And usually I'm always, you know, fumbling around for the sponsors. And I thought I'd get myself organised. So I printed it all out and then I laminated it. And uh, I think we are legit now. I think, you know, we're a legitimate podcast. Did someone give you an Officeworks voucher for Christmas? No, I just um, I just stole this from work. Uh, so I asked the receptionist, go get a laminated sheet, and she goes, what do you need that for? I go, it's nothing work-related, so that was it. Uh, the well, game, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the games that were just passed. So 
was it about the 28th of December, Melbourne victory for Central Coast 1. I'd like to say that was a regulation win. I mean, when you look at it on paper, we should have won that quite easily. But that game was anything but regulation. Um, stifling conditions in the heat. It was probably, uh, I can't remember too many games going to victory uh, where it was that hot. Yeah, well, it brought back memories of that really, really hot night against Western Sydney about two or three seasons mm-hmm. ago, where even I got my shirt off, it was that hot. Um, but, yeah, stifling conditions. And, look, no, I think it, it's worth saying that it was a routine kind of win. Um, disappointing, you know, and th- the team were disappointed to have let Trent Bahaja score that consolation goal late on. Um, we were struggling, weren't we, Jase? Uh, yep. Heat exhaustion? Yeah, I, had, I did the double. I didn't went to the cricket beforehand. I yeah, couldn't last out the uh, the full 90 minutes, unfortunately. But we were up 4-0, so you know, there was, I wasn't missing anything, really. Kevin Musket wasn't really happy with the performance. Um, as I said, scorching heat, uh, really troubling conditions. And he was unhappy that we slowed down the pace of the game. Obviously, some tired players um, in, playing in that kind of heat. He wasn't happy with, with how we did react to that heat even with a 4-1 uh, victory. Um, I guess that's good, you know, always demanding perfection from the players, despite the, the conditions. Yeah, well, I mean, the, it's a pretty hard task. I mean, I didn't go to the game. I decided to stay at home and watch from the comfort of my lounge room in the air conditioning. Uh, it was too hard for me to even want to go and stand around you guys in that kind of heat. Uh, a 4-1 win's a pretty good result. I don't care what, what any of the conditions are like. I fully expected before the game for Central Coast to score as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't think it was that much of a surprise. I, I lost quite a bit of money on this game. I thought it was going to be a 3-1, <laughs> so I was fuming. Really? You, see, I didn't think Central Coast would trouble us. We had a pretty good month of defensive football. The back four has not changed for that entire time. Yep. A couple of clean sheets in there as well. I didn't think they'd trouble us. They have good spirit, Central Coast. And as we saw the other night in Geelong, we tend to turn off for patches. We yep. just yep. seriously turn off. We play this swashbuckling brand of football where we score in clusters and then we turn off. And I would have liked to have seen in both of those games... A uh, bit more foot on the throat type action, but can't really argue with an aggregate of eight to three. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty much um, foot in the throat type stuff. Yeah, every everyone's um, really starting to pick up their socks and gel together. I think like defensively, we've we've the back four is great. Donicky's performance against Central Coast was great. Yep, he made it into the votes. Uh, Burrow was great. Gary has been solid for a good month now yep. almost. He's really picked it up. So um, the, the, team's, the team's been brilliant. Uh, it's been one of the best little spurts to watch Melbourne victory I think I've ever had in the last 11 years. The team's just a pretty pretty decent joy to watch at the moment. Saying that, like you, from Musket's point of view, you're still going to be annoyed at pulling the foot off the throttle a bit, especially given how tight the league's going to get. Like... Our next run of games, whilst a lot of them, they're all winnable, could see us only four points behind Sydney, I mm. think, come Australia Day. Goal difference can count, conceding these silly late goals. Like, the ones in Geelong were very... Left a sour taste in the mouth. And whilst we, could, we got four, we could have put away six, maybe seven against Central Coast mm. if we kept going. The same again against Newcastle. It's an interesting point, though, because we are scoring multiple goals. We've scored four goals in each of the last two games. So you would say that it's our scoring is not a problem, and you're saying you're missing these these little chances and so forth. But we're scoring multiple goals, and we're scoring with ease at the moment, and we're playing really fluidly. Yeah, and an unchanged lineup. You know, Kev three, three had, weeks in a row. Yeah, Kev has just stuck fat with the starting eleven each week. We will probably see now with the heavy. January schedule. Obviously, the catch-up game against the Phoenix is thrown in uh, as a midweek game and a lot of travel. So we will see some rotation then. I don't know about that. Oh, no. they really? Musket's not they, got it in him to make they, those sort of changes. Yeah, they brought that up to Kev after the game the other night in Geelong and he fucking hounded, forget who it was, might have been Adrian Leo or one of the Fox guys, and he bat straight back at them going, it's not a congested fixture. Yeah, put in perspective, it was yeah. one extra game than everyone else. We get else. one extra game than everyone else, it's fine. But you get the feeling if we start yeah. losing a few of those games, he might uh, flip the switch a little bit on that one. There is no one that sticks to his guns more than Kevin Musket, is there? No. This is true, but 
at the yeah, ultimately we've we've got some serious games oh, coming up. Yes, he should. And the heat, all of these factors. There's nothing wrong with you know giving Ansel a start or, or, or Georgievsky, uh, you know, giving giving Broxham a rest for one week. Yeah, I agree. The, these sorts of changes, yeah, just. I'm not talking wholesale rotations. I'm just talking here and there. Um, Mitch Austin, um, back in the squad last week, can't get a look in. And I guess that's actually a really good sign uh, that a guy like him and Beist are getting minimal minutes. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll discuss those kind of guys in a few few minutes' time towards the end of the podcast. Let's touch on a few of the players that did do some notable things during over the last uh, last two games. Borussia uh, obviously broke the goal-scoring record. Uh, the first game against Central Coast, obviously that was an own goal, luckily for him because... Did you uh, see he, how he far out that was going? Yeah, he would have missed that, and that would have been one of the misses of A-League history Yeah, if, uh, if he missed that. So, yeah, that was... Uh, Unfortunate for him that he got the own goal. Well, lucky for us, actually, because he was missing, missing that by a fair distance. Archie Thompson's response, typical Archie. Uh, wanted to hold on to that record for as long as possible. He Unfortunately, was uh, fairly salty on Twitter about it all, wasn't yeah, he? I don't, I don't, Yeah, I don't like the attitude, to be honest, but that's just my yeah. opinion. I think a fair bit of it after the Newcastle game was tongue-in-cheek yeah, but he, from he, him, but still he wasn't the, happy. The supporters, there was actually a bit of a tide against him yeah. after that tweet. He wound it back yeah. after that initial tweet. Yeah. Because it's yeah he probably looked at it and go yeah what's the pers- perspective people are going to have on yeah. looking at this and yeah it looks salty it mm. does uh, Donicky we mentioned Donicky before but scoring uh, his first goal for the Vuck, I believe as, as, as far as competitive matches for us goes in the A League um, Donicky lad he's he's proving his worth so much at the moment yeah, and uh, Ansel's not getting that spot back no chance at the moment now that that. Uh Set piece that he scored from was from James Choisey. It wasn't that great. This actual set piece itself. It was a bit of a, a scrappy goal. It wasn't wasn't the prettiest I goal. Rather, thought it was well flighted. He yeah. beat all the defenders. Central Coast didn't have a clue. But the segue into James Choisey is on fire. Yeah. Oh yeah. Scores a goal uh, against Newcastle and man of the match against Newcastle as yep. well. Rightly so. Uh, he's really starting to click. You know, and and finding his feet. You can just see, and, and you can even hear it um, on the sidelines, you could hear quite a bit of the uh, touchline action uh, against Geelong for those of us that didn't travel. And you could hear just constantly, Jimmy, Jimmy, yeah. give it to Jimmy, Jimmy's feet, constantly. You know, he is the playmaker, he is the one they look for. I'm amazed by the external noise about people saying he's, he's not scoring goals. And that, that's, that's, that's a concern to us because right now we've got two players who are going to score between 15 to 20 goals in the season in Borussia and Rojas. Exactly. Why do we need a third one? We don't, you don't need a third one. You, you need Teresi, Teresi teeing him up for Borussia and Rojas, and that's exactly what he's doing right now. It's that front third is, I'd say, as close to perfect as we've had a front third uh, in, the last, in the last few years. It's, it's amazing. But I think that's a bit of naivety. Again, from Australian yeah. football fans saying, oh, attacking mm. midfielder, he's got to be scoring goals. It's like, who cares? As long as he's feeding Kalfala, Rojas and Barisha, who cares how many puts in the net? I mean, those guys are going to bang in so many this season. How did you find Geelong? You went to Geelong? I, I made the drive. Mm-hmm. One of the it better was trips? Yeah, it's easy. Yeah. It's cheap. I think it wasn't too bad. 14,000 there from memory yep. and half, half the ground was under construction. Is that correct? Uh, about a oh. thir- about quarter to a third of it. Okay. They're still finishing off the new stand. Yeah, so they um, won't go get capacity. I heard some rumour that 60% or something of ticket sales were to locals as well, not just people yep. travelling down. I didn't see that many people I recognised when we were down there. Yeah, when I went to the Atletico Madrid game there, I think there was a similar similar number there on the, uh, the Sunday afternoon and you could tell there was a lot of locals down there. I think a local team down there... Might work, but definitely not at skilled or whatever it is now, Simmons. You see, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit different. People have been bagging out Simmons. I didn't mind it as a place to watch football. I don't no, mind No it. matter which stand you're in, the view is reasonable as long as the pitch is over to that one side. Agree. It just might be another Suncorp when by the time it's finished it holds 55,000 and then you've got 15,000 max per game. Yeah, true. That, that's the only thing. Chris, maybe what they need to do is to get the guy who uh, drew the penalty box and um, just <laughs> make it make the pitch a little wider, a little closer <laughs> to the pitch this time yeah, around. I'd, I, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was awful. Wasn't it? <laughs> I, I couldn't quite figure it out. I walked through the gates and looked at the pitch and going, something didn't look right there. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out why is these two dark stripes there because they just repainted it. And I'm just like, how do you fuck that up? Jesus. Oh, well, soccer Twitter was right <laughs> onto it. Oh, yeah, they're, they're the best. <laughs> 
Uh, Rojas continues his form, of course, as well. Uh, just Ooh. half of the course for Rojas at the moment. He's uh, unbelievable. Um, yeah, what else can you say? What else can you use to describe Rojas? Unbelievable, but at the same time, you know, against Central Coast, you know, probably didn't have that great a game. Just happened to, you know, knock one in. But, yep. yeah, it... It doesn't really matter right now. He's scoring. He's providing. He, I, I think he's, you know, you can lock away the victory medal. You can lock away our FVS Player of the Year. Yeah. And uh, I dare say he's front runner along with Ninkovic for the Johnny Warren medal. Yep. Is he up there with the best we've ever seen for victory? Is he up there? I, is he up there with the Carlos Hernandez? Yeah, I'd definitely say so. The bloke's a wizard. Mm. Um, like his goal was great. A lot of the time you saw him riding sort of challenges from two, three guys. And he just, a bit of fancy footwork, he comes out the other side and they're left standing there, no idea what happened. Really good point on that, by the way. one great touch as well in the fifth minute or something. He just did this wonderful little turn and back heel through a couple of guys to Jerry to send him down the ring. Really good point on that, just because just Kasper Tapta popped, popped up in my head. Oh, there's a, another, a similar, there's another best we've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> but a kid of similar stature, you know, five foot six, five foot seven, and obviously Patafta, when he came into the, to the league about five or six years ago, had massive raps on him, you know, playing for Benfica. And then comes to the A-League, much more physical league, gets bullied around, you know, because he's small, not strong enough. Marco Rojas, you know, going back a few years ago, you would have had that same fear, but the class just exudes. He can match it with anyone. He can excel. He can, you know, get around defenders. He can do it all. Uh, and it's just, yeah, amazing. In a physical league such as the A-League, that someone who is uh, at the size of like a 12-year-old, He's well, the size he's, of a 12-year-old kid. He's learned kid. to ride a tackle. Yeah. And that's what the really skillful players who've come yeah. here have not learned to do. I'd be keen to talk to him and see maybe what he's learned since he's come back in the last, you know, you know, three or four months. If he's if he's felt that he's improved anything to his game or, you know, that he can take when he goes off to Europe inevitably in, you know, a year or two's time. I wonder what uh, what he's learned. Yeah, I think he'd be a... I think he'd be a fair shout to have on the show. Oh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, F- What's up? FBK as well. Let's talk about FBK. Um, you know, his, his spot was gone six or seven weeks ago. We've spoken about it a few times on the podcast. And once again, he's still doing enough. He's doing more than enough to, um, to keep his spot and keep Austin out of the side. So good, uh, good wraps on FBK as well. Has he earned that contract that he was talking about on For Buck's Sake, where he broke the news that he wanted to he stay? He broke the news on For Buck's Sake. He said one year. And yeah. then on, on Fox Sports last week, he said maybe two years I'm going to stick around for. Two years, right. So okay. I think he's um, maybe drinking his own bathwater a little bit. But, you know, good on him because he's he deserves it. He's at the table. It. He's doubling down. <laughs> yeah, he's doubling down. <laughs> you can only give he's going all in. You can only give a guy like him a performance-based contract. And on performance, he's earned a year. The question would be, does he... Hopefully we make the ACL next year. Does does he stick around? Does he get a Guernsey for the ACL? Would he be around? Let's think about that. Let's think about our foreigners right now. It just say hypothetically, if we we're playing the ACL this year, uh, who would you leave out? So right now, our foreigners doesn't look like Baster will get would get a. Start. You, you would leave no, Baster not, out. Who's the other one? Close. <laughs> uh, so you go in with you go in with Barucho Rojas. And who's your third one? I mean, you're choosing a Barrow. Barrow. Barrow or, yeah, your choice is or FBK. Barrow or FBK. Yeah, well, by the time... Same, same situation as last year. By really. the time yeah. the ACL, if theoretically we were in it this season, yeah. rolls around, you'd think uh, Bessart would have acquired his citizenship by then. But, yeah. Um, in I'm just saying, case, if we play an ACL game tomorrow, who would you, who would you pick? Who are your yeah, three well, it's, it's, it's Barrow, Rojas, Barisha. So FBK misses out again, unfortunate. Yeah, in, interesting one. And then the other thing that comes into play is, do we hold on to Rojas? Is he, is he playing too good to, to stick around for another year? Yeah, and, that's another thing, do you cash does, in? Then if we miss out on if, if we miss out on Rojas sticking around for another year, does that mean Beister finally gets a run and a, and, and a, and a contract? Like there's a, it's going to be an interesting, it's an interesting run in. Yeah. Yeah, this time last year, or probably you know towards the end of last season, we we're, were you know counting down for this exodus. We wanted a, a massive turnover in the team, and now it's all about you know trying to uh, hold on to as many players as we can, and then also trying to uh, be strategic, in, especially in Rojas's case. Do you, yeah. do you cash in on Rojas, or do you let it ride for another year? It's really hard as well because James Troisi is only on a one-year deal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we we face some pitfalls come the end of the season. Yeah. Um, when it comes to holding on to our best talent this season, I think when we signed Troisi, we uh, we talked about that that we were a bit disappointed in his um, reluctance to um, 
put down some some something yeah, long commitment term, issues. Yeah, I think it should be the other way around. I think Rojas should have signed on for one year, and Teresi should have signed on for two years. Well, I think the way Teresi is playing, I think he's 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 wrapped in his decision at the moment. I think yeah. he might find yeah. that he could he could fly the coop as well. I think that the Rojas thing is good because I, I think there's pretty much no doubt all around here in the Brunswick Sharehouse Studios that mm-hmm. uh, Rojas will be gone at the end of the yeah. season, and that means we'll get a fee. This is a question, if I ever have Rojas or Teresi on the show, if I'm in a position to ask them a question, I'd love to ask this question. Is it better to be toiling away in Europe on benches and reserve squads or is it good to be a big fish in a small pond in Australia where you are dominating, you're in the headlines, you're a fucking you're a celebrity kind of in A-League terms? Uh, which is better? I mean, I mean, it's, it's good to be good ambitious. Question, it's good to be ambitious. But at the same time, you can be in the A-League and you can continue to dominate. You can be a mini-celebrity here. I mean, it's a good life. But I said, I said the same thing to some mates today with the news about Robbie Cruz, who's leaving Bayern Leverkusen yeah. and probably for China. But surely for these guys, it's got to be minutes, getting yeah. more actual game time. Sitting on a bench in Europe is not the lofty ambition. It's good at 22, was. but when you're 27, 28, it's... When you're 27, you're 28, and you want to be pushing for a national team squad selections yeah. as well, you've got to be getting game time. Wages come into it because, obviously, in the A-League, there are only two slots in each squad that can get yeah. big money. Someone like Troisi... You know, he's has had that many failed ventures overseas. I'd love to be able to just lock him down. Yep. You know, over a longer period. Commit to him. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. With money. Yeah. He can enjoy his life here. Melbourne's a really good place to have money. Yeah. Like it's it's he 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 lives a good life here. He gets to all the social. And he events. fits right in. He's got a little. Right he's got that little side part. Yeah. He's got that. Yeah. He's, he's, from, he's from Adelaide, so yeah. he's already upgraded in life already. Yeah. You know, I think he gets in the social pages. Toowoomba's an upgrade on Adelaide, mate. Yeah, well, there you go. He gets a lot of free <laughs> shit. I reckon Jim, I reckon we could hold on to Jimmy. Marco, I don't know. Yeah, he's so. got George Calambaris up his ass every every week, you know, on, on the uh, Instagram pages and stuff like that. New oh, Costa. so he's the new Costa as far as... Uh, I think I, I, I'm i just... I'm probably making that up a little bit. But <laughs> from memory, you know, I think when Costa and Teresa were here last time, I think Calambaris was, you know, hovering around those two. So I'm just assuming the uh, the bromance has continued. Teresa must have one Greek parent. <laughs> Potentially <laughs> And uh, if anyone knows George Colin Barris Please just tell him about this podcast I really want him on Man, I've been trying He's hard Yeah He's hard to, He's hard to get Yeah well, He's a busy man, you know Bank, busy Bankrupting man. numerous restaurants That he started <laughs> man, It's a hard life And there's that whole Penalty rates thing as well Which we won't get into <laughs> uh, Votes uh, There were two games who, who collected the votes Over the last two games uh, It was FB uh, For the Central Coast It was FBK with three Yep Rojas with two, Donicky with one. Yeah. And the other night was Troisi with three, Rojas again with two, has polled in every game he's played, and Guerrier with one. Good to see some uh, defenders in there as well. It's good to see the Vuck fans um, really recognising the defensive work at the moment because it's going great guns. Yeah, the Vuck fans are pretty switched on when it comes to yep. this. Those two outcomes from those two games are absolutely bang on for mine. So, yeah, what a great time it is to be a Vuck fan. I think, have we won, off the top of my head, maybe six of the last eight or something like that? Five on the trot, I think. Five on the trot, okay. six of the last eight. Going yeah, to some really winnable games against yeah. some shy opposition. It's a good time to be a Vuck fan. It's a good time to be a Vuck podcast. Everyone's mm. in a jovial mood. It's amazing. I think back to the last time I was on and just how depressing the season was looking. Yeah, well, you are maybe episode three of the yeah, season. Yeah, about, well, after that derby loss and stuff, and we yeah. were all calling for... People were calling for Musket's head and players to be dropped, and that was all. That was all, buds. that was all buds. That was all. He's too reactionary. When are you apologising to Barisha? Huh? You... I don't know, mate. I don't know. When Jason does the nudie run, <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping people forgot about that. Uh, Never. Yeah, let's uh, let's do some Mehmet uh, Mehmeting of the week. Yeah, what do you do? You know. Um... When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's Mehmet Jurakovic. Putting the ball at the back of the net. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's Mehmet Jurakovic. All right, so member of the week, uh, it was a bit of a, a slightly difficult one this week. It's been obviously 17 days since our last podcast. A few things have gone on and uh, we gave a, we had a, a bit of a pot shot at a, a city person a few weeks ago in Tim Cahill. You know, we don't want to, you know, 
regurgitate stuff. Um, in the last few weeks as well, Victory fans booed Connor Payne, which may deserve a mention, but we've also we did that a few weeks ago when Victory fans booed Costa and Guy. Uh, and then Victory fans started booing each other again. We've, all, we've broached that subject as well. And they were cheering each other the other night, so everything's going in roundabout. Yeah, a bit of a civil war in uh, in the terraces going on at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to give it this week, though, to, as I said, get to go back to uh, back to the city well. We're going to give it to Neil Kilkenny a couple of weeks ago. Had a bit of a bitch and a moan about the referees. Um, I might play the... Uh, the audio, if you don't remember it, I'll just play the audio. Cool, Kenny joins us now. I know you weren't uh, very happy at halftime, mate, but uh, I'd imagine you'd see that as uh, an opportunity lost tonight. Yeah, massive loss, uh, ma- massive opportunity, you know. Um, against Sydney, a penalty. That wasn't a penalty. Um, again tonight, a, fr- a throw in over there. That wasn't our ball. They've come and scored from it. A legit a goal. And then against Beecher and offside. Now, come on, something has to be done about this. You're right, Dave. I hope I can find it. If I haven't found it, then you just listen to us talk um, over the top of that. But <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think I'll be able to find that audio and, and yeah, slot yeah. it in after in post-production, the, the magic of podcasting. Uh, so I had a bit of a bitch and a moan about the referees. And this is City, who are getting the rub of the green in you know, most cases. Um, in that game, notably, got two penalties. Three. 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 They missed two. They got two three penalties. Were, two of them were saved. Liam Reedy had so a... So how in the earth these, these fucking... These spoilt city people, they get three penalties in a the game, they fuck up two of them, and somehow it's a referee's fault. Also scored from a foul throw in that yep. game. Um, look, obviously, in every football game, there are going to be decisions that go either way. But, you know, the lack of, I guess professionalism shown now by two different city players in post-game interviews. It's not just professionalism, it's petulance. Yeah, there's that. And not it's a, not just childishness. Br- Bruno as well telling everyone where to go after yeah, collecting the so FFA Cup. We had Bratton sort of sulking a few weeks back after a game and then Kilkenny just stood there in front of Michael Zapponi and had an absolute whinge. Like, it just didn't. It wasn't good TV for starters, yeah. but it just all I could think of was like these guys must have a massive chip on their shoulders. Yeah, playing for this small man syndrome. Yeah, yeah, they're the little boy in town. Um, they can't take it. We did last time we had a go at Tim Cahill. I got some messages saying why Why are you going so hard on Tim Cahill and City? And you know, as as much as it annoys us, this is fucking amazing for the league. These guys are the super villains. These guys are as bad as hated as you can get. In uh, in professional sports terms, and they just they're building up this reputation for themselves, and they're gonna they just keep going, they keep edging away, and keep going, and keep hacking away at it, and it's it's great for the A League at the moment. It's great to be an A League fan, and just everyone's just together in the hatred of Melbourne City, and it's great to see him just continually um, self destruct. Um, they did have their coach leave again during the week um, due to family issues. Uh, we won't touch that, obviously, but they did. You know, they're coachless at the moment. It's good, great to see these guys continually self-destruct after every you know, you know off season. You think, oh, maybe this is the season they turn it around. No, just keeps going back and around in circles. And, and Neil Kilkenny's got a weird accent. Yeah, the way, like where, where's it from? Well, he was at like uh, Leeds for a bit, and yeah. I think maybe Bristol. Yeah, picked um, up a bit of Northern in there. And once that gets in, you're really squeaky. <laughs> He's really unlikable, isn't he? He's yeah, a real. They're all I'm unlikable. Really, I'm really trying to think of any players City have that are likable. Like, Dave, you're the A League expert. You analyse. <laughs> you know, no, you analyse opposition teams better than most around here. Uh, how big is the loss of John Van Skipper as the coach of Melbourne City? Uh, well, look. If you talk to any City fan, they'll tell you that you know they're popping champagne right yeah. now about this. Uh, I think the thing with John Van Skip is that he is an extremely good identifier of talent. Okay. He he, he has this ability to, I guess, channel particular playing styles in in players. You know, he's quite well known, obviously, for what he did with Aziz Bayich, converted him into a, a left back, and little things like that. He's he's probably the most I guess, flexible we've seen in the A-League with the uh, glaring exception of Miron Blyberg in terms of formations all over the shop, you know, uh, really malleable shapes that City take. But I think as a match day coach, he doesn't have what it takes. He can't inspire the troops on a match day. So, look, 
this is actually kind of bad in, in a lot of respects because these guys have a blank checkbook. Yeah. They, they, they're able to now source whoever they want for this role and it's going to be someone better than John Van Skip. I'm with Dave on that. I think it's a... It's, I would have preferred JVS to stay there because I think he's a spud. Yeah, I he's think incompetent. He, he got, he's incompetent. I think he got way too much time and the media liked him and yeah. stayed away from him because he was Dutch. It's that whole Ajax thing, the fact that yeah. he played with Cruyff and, you know, for some reason that in Australia is just, you know, seen to be, you know, unquestioned. It's a hit thing. Yeah. Yeah. Dutch, the, yeah. the Dutchies can do no wrong. Yeah. But look at his choice of goalkeeper. He picked Dean Bozanis, who's one of the worst keepers in the league at the moment. Yeah, and consistently funny enough, remember how Thomas Sorensen. But remember how everyone said using your foreign um, spot on a goalkeeper was the bad bad thing to do, and obviously last season it turned out to be you know work in their favour. But what's even worse is now that you're using your foreign spot on a goalkeeper who sits on the bench. That's pretty silly as well. I reckon he'll be back this week. Oh yeah, Sorensen. has to be. Yeah. Um, Valcanis will probably bring back some boring. Four three three yeah. to the uh, city lineup, and uh, yeah, they'll go back to playing some normal football. Be good for them though, because they haven't had a win in a while. So you said that uh, that City have now a blank checkbook to go out and buy a manager. Um, I don't know if they'll do it before the end of the season. I think they'll probably leave Volcanus in that spot. It might be a bit tough to get someone notable. I wonder if. Uh, if uh, they'll go after Roberto Carlos and yank that out of uh, South Melbourne's hands. <laughs> no, I don't think, I think, I don't I think, think they're so. actually looking at, just to, let's let's stop talking about it in a, in a second. Uh, I think they're going to look at poaching a Popovich or they might take an yep. Ante Milicic type. I've dog. been hearing Josip Gombau, who's currently with the national setup, uh, obviously you know, familiar with the A-League and now involved in the... Youth set up with Australia, so yeah. Whoever it is, they'll be a prick, and it'll just add to our hatred of them, which is one of Spot the good on. things so going on. So for this week, Neil Kilkenny is Mehmet of the week. Another sponsor of For Fuck's Sake is the LIT Services. You can contact Pete for help on anything IT related. You can reach Pete on 1-800-843-695, which is 1-800-THE-OWL. At the LIT Services, they give a hoot. Uh, and while we're on the topics of you know plugging shit, um, the live podcast, I'm going to announce details of that on our next podcast, which is Monday. I'm going to make a Facebook event invite. So if you haven't already, uh, like For Vuck's Sake on Facebook, you'll get information on the biggest thing I've ever planned in my life. This is the biggest event I've ever planned in my life. It's because it's detailed and technical. And uh, this is going to be big. So Big panel. Yep, big panel. Um, live music, DJ sets, cheap beer, giveaways, it's going off. So the way it'll work is that the game will be viewed and then yep. it'll be straight a after podcast, podcast recorded right after that. February 11th. So that's a Newcastle away. So the idea is that everyone comes to the pub like the good old days, you know, back when everyone used to go to the Dickens and the Celtic Club and stuff like that. We haven't done that in a long, long time. So the idea is that everyone goes to the pub, we watch it on a big uh, projector on the wall and then straight after we jump on stage with a, an all-star panel. And we uh, we do a podcast. Drink specials. Drink specials. Palmer specials. Well, well maybe I can, I can probably organise that. Um, but yeah, definitely there's a drink special. You organise that? I'll turn up. There's cheap jugs of beer locked in, and as I said, live music afterwards, and perhaps a sneaky DJ set from someone on this uh, in this room. Dave. Back on back on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> 
Let's discuss an article that was in the New Daily um, during the week or the last few days. Uh, it's quite a notable one and it's uh, a great tip of the cap to the people behind the scenes in the Melbourne Victory. So for those of you who haven't uh, read the article, uh, it was in the New Daily and essentially what it uh, says is that the Victory are now almost as profitable as the FFA uh, in terms of revenue and you know net profit and things like that. I think from memory, um, Victory have been um, putting in profits of a million dollars plus over the last few years. Uh, this year was a little bit different, I think about $387,000, uh, but that's comparable to many a- oh, sorry, AFL clubs and so forth. So we just wanted to discuss that about how, how well the Victory are going in terms of a business standpoint and how that bodes well for our future. I'm not by any stretch of numbers, man, but if you look at the well that the FFA get to draw from in terms of the, I guess, grassroots football and all the, the sort of trickle-up economics that we have in Australian football, which, just as a side note, I think really needs to change, um, it's staggering to think that one club can somehow come close to outdoing yep. the FFA. Um, and it's, as you say, a massive tip of the hat to those at the helm. Um, obviously, also a massive uh, tip of the hat to the 20,000-plus members that that join up every year as well. Yeah. Notable as well that uh, I think we fell well short of our membership target this year, which is about 30,000, but still um, really good. Now... Fans of the A-League, in general, people who don't support Melbourne Victory and other clubs would say that we're quite arrogant and you know, we're a bit up ourselves and you know, we, we have a claim. I disagree, to... mate. We're, we're the best. We're the best, yeah. mate. We're the <laughs> best. Yeah, but now the, there's any some... of these other clubs arguing, let's see their trophy cabinet. But now Mugs. there is some legitimate... Mugs. Obviously, obviously, this is legit. We are... We are propping up the league in some respects. Just say it, Jason. We're the best. We're the best. (laughs) We're the best. No vitrine, no A-League. But, I mean, does this this perhaps, I think, you know... The, the Herald Sun will do it. Do an article every every year doing the, the most powerful people in football. Does this make Di Pietro the most powerful man in Australian football right now? That's a worrying no. thought. Yeah. No. Why? Because he's, he's got more pull now. Than, he's, he's, he's propping up the league through Melbourne victory. I mean, doesn't he go to the yeah, table in these negotiations such as TV deals and expansion and stuff like that? I don't know if he has much of a pull over that. And say, so, you know, maybe he's the one calling most of the shots. Um, I think he's been touted as potentially um, a guy who can run football in this country one day. And, you know, when you're putting up these kind of numbers from a, just a, a club, um, it has to make him one of the more powerful. He, he's, he ranks in these lists that Davidovich and Winley do every year. And like the top four or five, I think he's you know one there, of the most powerful. There's people no in doubt he exerts influence, you know, when he knocks on FFA headquarters front door and these sorts of things. But I guess his power is largely limited to Melbourne Victory, and the FFA still run the A League, you know, in a very sort of closed shop kind of way. Uh, yeah, and look, constantly it's the clubs, particularly. In, particularly in the last couple of years, talking about, you know, the A-League perhaps separating off from the FFA. So I think a lot of these power struggles um, are going to continue over the next few years. I think he's like the Ian Maguire. Like, the, you know, how Ian Maguire goes to the AFL and he goes, you do this, you do that, and he just has a bit of a behind-the-scenes pull. Uh, I, th- I think he is one of the more powerful people. I just don't know how much power any of our clubs have over yeah. the FFA yet, unlike the uh, other sport that you mentioned, <laughs> where the clubs are the main stakeholders in the game. I, yeah. I don't think ours ours are at that level yet. I also don't think he has any outright power. His power comes from, we've got a very good board running our club. Yeah. Um, I think his power comes from them as a group. He's just the focal point of it okay. when it comes to negotiations. Okay. How's how's this? Is this good for the A League? I mean, I mean, it's okay that we're doing quite well, but yeah. I, I would argue that the league is only as good as their worst team. I'm glad you brought that up because that's where I was going to head to next. Yeah. Because at the moment, it, you know, I think there are only two profitable clubs in the league: Melbourne Victory and Western Sydney Wanderers. You could perhaps argue that Sydney FC, you know, are stable, but yeah. they've been losing money hand over fist as well. Um, and the rest of the league, meanwhile, goes through ownership struggles, uh, poor crowds. You know, they, they, some of them don't even pay the full salary cap. Some of them don't have marquee players. Um, and we're so, crying out for expansion. 
Yeah. So, so. I think the model in which the A-League is run, uh, I think there's some merit to all these murmurings about you know, changing the parameters by which, ha- yeah. you know, by which clubs are run. Um, but then again, you know, some people are saying that, you know, get rid of the salary cap. Mm. Um, make, it, make it a much more of a free market approach. What an amazing story and what an amazing feel you have in this room talking about this when six weeks ago we were being force-fed this power struggle in the city. We were being told that we're not the biggest anymore, yeah. we're not the best. I don't know. I think if they took away the salary cap, I think that we'd, we'd be shot in the, the shot dead in the water in terms of what City could do. Disagree. I think um, we'd look, be obviously City would, would be yeah. the most powerful in the league if there was no salary cap, hands down. Um, look at look at what they've done with you know their their back room and yeah. you know, their training facilities and all of that. Um, but I still think we have you know a big part to play in in attracting quality mm. uh, beyond what we have now. Just uh, uh, actually now that I think more about that, maybe there is if you took away the salary cap in the A League, maybe there is a certain ceiling now because of China of what you can offer players and what they'd be willing to come to Australia for. Because I'd say no matter what. You know, restrictions you remove from the A-League, you'd still probably earn more money in China, which is the more attractive option right now. So maybe moving the uh, salary cap wouldn't be all dooming. Well, someone brought up Robbie Cruz before. I think yeah. it was you, Beanhead. And, um, you know, it's a perfect scenario where he's, you know, stagnated in Germany. There's an opportunity for a club to come and pick him up. But the clubs that can afford someone of his ilk have already got marquee players or, yeah. you know, full rosters. And the other clubs like Central Coast who don't have marquee players can't afford it anyway. Yeah. So there has to be some kind of... We can't stand still with how the league works and how it has to adapt. I just thought it was a really great idea. Wouldn't it be great if a body such as the FFA gave money to clubs for marquee players? Oh, that, that sounds that's like a, a novel, tremendous that's idea. That's a novel idea, Jason. Yeah, I don't yeah. think anyone's done that yet. No, well, no, I think one at club le- has. At least not just, to just all the clubs. clubs. Yeah, there's one club. Right, okay. That wouldn't seems... it be great if the FFA just gave some money to clubs and said, you know, go attract a marquee player and bring him to the league and maybe what your... What kind of players are we talking about here? Well, I'm... I mean, maybe, I think someone, of... maybe someone who captains a Serie A club or... You know? or... A, a European international that's played at major international tournaments? Look, I don't... <laughs> I don't think uh, the average Joe Punter would watch Syria R, or uh, as I like to call it, Syria ZZZZZ, because uh, not much, Ooh, not much attacking. From uh, the only Italian in the room, too. Yeah, no, even I'll sit through a Syria. What kind of Italian are you? I'm, I'm the worst one. <laughs> so I'm telling you a story. I'm not sure if I told you this story before. Here we go. <laughs> so I'm a bit of a reluctant wog, I guess. Um, I think every every couple of years. Um, the Italians come over from Italy and they come, the, like my relatives and stuff like that, and we go to these dinner dances. And uh, I think I was like 19 or 20. Where'd you go, Veneto Club? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something like one of those reception halls. And I had to dress up in a, you know, a suit and tie and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, during this dinner dance, the, uh, the dinner's going and the, the music's following and all these wogs are dancing around this big circle Colo. in the middle of the it's reception. It's called the Collo. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just sitting down. Skip in disguise. I'm just sitting down, and I was not happy. I didn't want to be part of this at all. Just didn't want to be part of it. So I sat down. I refused to take part. And my auntie, uh, my auntie Anna, comes running up to me, and she goes, "Get up and fucking dance. You're a wog, whether you like it or not." <laughs> that'll be the, that'll, that'll be the title of your autobiography, "The Reluctant Wog." <laughs> the Reluctant Wog. Jason's tales from the old country. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so brilliant. Uh, yeah, as I said, tip of the cap to Melbourne Victory. Well done. She on... come up to you and go, "You've got a bee on your head." <laughs> No, yeah, I will leave it. Stupid fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) Well well done, Melbourne Victory. We'll leave it at that. We'll move on to the next thing.
Our last sponsor on For Fuck's Sake is a No Fix Address walking tours. It is No Fix Address's mission to provide employment to Melbourne's marginalised and disadvantaged individuals through unique walking tours of obscure areas. As a proud sponsor of FES, you'll get 20% off any two tickets or more with the code VUCK20. You can claim that offer on their website, which is nfacitytours.com. And I, I reckon we'll get a few giveaways um, of those walking tours to give out at the, uh, the live podcast so recording So you better as well. turn up. Get better cheap, turn up. Cheap beer and... I think Pete's given away a couple of USB cables. 100%. <laughs> and uh, we might get, since it is since it is Feb 11, I think it's a few days before uh, Valentine's Day, we might get Ambrosia to chip in with a nice bouquet for any kind of uh, lovers out there who are looking to, uh, to please their missus before uh, Valentine's Day a few days later. Let's look ahead to the next game, and I want to look ahead to the next few games at large because, as we said, busy schedule. Uh, the players are going to have to step up, some of these fringe players. So let's firstly discuss the Adelaide game. Uh, Adelaide, they're pretty much the bottom of the ladder, aren't they? Is that correct, Dave? Yeah, they're bottom. Yeah, struggle town for them at the moment. Um, really, you know, suffering a premiership hangover yeah. in the extreme. Uh, they've had a lot of bad luck. They've had a lot of injuries and um, key players departing, you know. So it's, yeah. it's, so it's really So you'd say regulation, but it's never regulation, really, is it, for Melbourne Victory? It's, every game seems like a bit of a banana peel game for us, especially going away to uh, to Adelaide, Hindmarsh Stadium, that cauldron. Um, it's going to be a cauldron even more so by the fact that I think it's get, uh, forecasted to be about 39 degrees on, uh, on Saturday. That would be fun. There'd be a large travelling contingent. Hello to those uh, people listening on their way to Adelaide on the plane right now. Um, hello and thank you for listening. Uh, big crowd, yeah, expected. You know, you'll get the 16,000. Gov's be a big the game. pub of choice for them. Yep, Gov. Um, go to the Gov. Go to the Gov. Yeah. So regulation or banana peel, what do you reckon, buds? 2-1 win. Always hard, no matter what happens. Uh, it's Friday night. Is it a Friday nighter? Saturday nighter? Saturday night. Saturday night, yeah. There's something about us playing there at night. There's always, they always get one. And we always, it's always a hard. We'll score late. I They've think. got Enrique as well, and he's always used to score against us at Brisbane. He'll pop up. Yeah. But they, we should have comfortably beat them. They are dire at the moment. Yeah, we managed to you know knock them off. What was it, round two earlier yeah. this year? And we were playing awful football back then. Yeah. At the moment, we are a lot more solid. Um, you know. The, the team will not change again this week. So, uh, knowing Kev, I, I, I think we're comfortable winners. But, you know, the heat and all of that, I guess it's good that we played uh, that hot game against Central Coast. We'll be ready for it. 3-1 to the buck. One person who will not be there, or at least he won't be on the pitch, is the hothead, JP DeMarinet. Jean-Paul DeMarinet. Jean-Paul Two from two. <laughs> oh, getting there. Yeah, he's... Uh, Suspended uh, for three matches. He was sent off. Three matches? Three matches. Yeah, well, three so matches. it's like a cumulative. I don't know, thing. but it's the second time he got sent <laughs> off for as many matches on the pitch. So what he got done for this time? I think it was Barisha was copping a. There was, a, there was an incident copping a bit think, of nickel. I think, again, he went after the fourth official. And I believe some rude hand gestures were involved this time, not just mm. language. Do we need to name an award after JP for like the hothead of the week? The guy just loses his fucking cool. No, Everyone. I reckon you need to get him on the Fox commentary team. I reckon you might <laughs> mic him up. He'll be brilliant. Yeah, mic him up. Uh, I wonder what he's going to do. Uh, obviously, he'll be uh, in the stand somewhere. There was some bad blood you could sense up against Newcastle. Obviously, he left there. and you know He was there for yeah. a season. And when that goal went in, he sort of turned to them and sort of gave them the, the whole... That fist. It's always get, know, it's always good to get one up over your ex, I reckon. Especially you know, just fucking give it to him. Yeah, yeah he's wearing the Melbourne Victory gear. Who's <laughs> like, fucking number one? <laughs> <laughs> we made three hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars last yeah. year. What did you make? Uh, let's let's talk about though the schedule. You know, Kevin Musket plays it down, but. It is a big schedule. We're playing you know, playing one extra game, but there's a fair bit of trouble involved, especially that week where we go to Wellington and then straight to. To uh, Perth. Perth. Ah, that one where the FFA just popped it in right there yeah. when we're all taking the piss and going, I bet you they throw it in yeah. this week, and they do. So let me throw, I guess, a few names at you in terms of fringe players, or maybe you can throw a few names at me. Is this one laminated? No, I didn't laminate this one, oh. but I did think about it before we uh, we came on to air. Which fringe players need to step up for the victory uh, over the next you know four or five weeks? Players that you may not have seen play for the victory so far this year, 
players that you probably perhaps think are capable of contributing over the next few weeks. What players do you want to see? Is anyone having one off the top of the head? Mitch Austin. Mitch Austin, yeah. Jai Ingham as well. I'd like to see Rojas get a bit of a rest. Yeah. I know no matter what, how many minutes we throw at him, he'll run him out brilliantly. Yeah. But with all that travel involved, I'd like to see him get a rest because towards the end of the season, he's going to be crucial. Yeah, so that that's definitely going to happen. I don't care what Kev yeah. says. You know, in that, in that period where we have something like three games in yeah. 10 or 12 days f- off the top of my head, he'll have to throw a start to the likes of Ingham and Austin and even Beister. So yeah. it's really that area where we're quite top-heavy, we're loaded with talent, uh, and that's the real place where some rotation will occur. Let me throw one at you, gents. Uh, we don't talk about this guy at all in the podcast, and I don't, know, it's, it's a, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's probably a good thing because he just does his job every week. Carl Valeri, we don't speak about Carl Valeri at all. He goes pretty much unnoticed every single week. Do we need to throw someone like uh, the forgotten man, Stefan Negro, into the mix over the next few weeks? No. No? No. no. What's happened to Stefan Negro? He's, he's done nothing wrong. He's at the bottom of a pecking order from a very good squad. That's You're unfortunate. Valeri's that the linchpin. Yeah, but Valeri's getting gonna... older. You know, he's, is he going to play five games? Nah. He's not that old. Nah, Carl nah. stays. Carl, Carl is... Maybe I just assume because he's gone bald, he's old. Maybe nah. that's just what I assume. Carl is first pick and Carl stays. Carl has been instrumental. Absolutely. And, and I, I love most the way he's going of, about it. This Most I could see would be him maybe getting playing 60 minutes then getting... Take yeah, okay. Brox and put in the middle to cover for yeah. him. We've Against seen that like a lot. And Carl Valeri's old. He's 32 years old. Sorry, gents. I know you guys are uh, around that age, but Carl Valeri's old. 32 is young, Jason. <laughs> We've seen that a lot. A preferred... <laughs> a preferred Kevin Musket substitution is to bring on Georgievsky and push... Broxham into midfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the ever-green and ever-ready Broxham can yeah. just play anywhere. Um, Carl Valeri will not be going anywhere. I think the, the whole reason he brings so much to the team is because of that f- fact that you brought up before. Yeah. You just don't notice him, and that's because he's doing all the hard work yeah. guarding that back four. And the minute he's out, you realise that he's he's the one that we, we really Absolutely. need. We, we lost him last year and that yeah. was oh, that was the 100, one 100%. the biggest hit. I just want to see Beister. That's all yeah. I want to see. Don't care about anyone else. Just want to see Beister. Wouldn't even mind seeing him start as a striker. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Barisha rested for a game. With all the travel, just give him a break. Send Beister out there and go, you've got 90 minutes to show us what yeah. you're worth. You played in the Bundesliga. You've come with raps. Agreed. In that period where he, I think it was against Western Sydney, um, when Barisha got that hat trick, we saw that thunderbolt shot come from Bystone, and that shows you what kind of peg he has. Um, and that's something that the Bucks will love. They love yelling "shoot" when yes. someone's a million miles away. But he actually has the target targeting yep. range, and he can actually hit one. And to test some of these keepers in the A-League, some of them are yeah, garbage. And he better perform because uh, if he doesn't, Buds is going to boot him off onto the next fight home. So it's uh, big for Beister to, uh, it's to not, perform. It's not me. It's the fact that he's not going to get a run. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I mean, I want him to succeed because I can see. You've seen it with Payne and you've seen it with Naboo especially, that once you actually get some game time in a team that will give you some game time and give you a bit of free reign, you know, they've come from a club that's developed them well. This guy has been developed overseas in a league far better than ours. You can see a team like the if he if Kev says nah, sorry, you can see the Wanderers or someone like that grabbing him, playing him, and him fucking banging fifteen yeah. in a year. It's a catch twenty two though because yeah. you you don't want to play Beister just for the sake of it to give him a start. Let's say we didn't have this congestion in the in the schedule. You don't want to play him and interrupt what is currently a very strong no, and, and formula. The reason he's not getting played is because of our, succe- uh, our, yep. our success at the moment. So that's the most important thing above all. That's the most important thing to Melbourne Victory and that's the most important thing to Melbourne Victory fans, that we're winning. So it's just it's, it'll be interesting to see whether Mr Musket will deviate from the plan or which plan he'll go into. It, yeah. It'll be interesting because he's, he's got a lot of talent to, at his disposal. So... See, that's the interesting one as well, because right now it's a very pe- precarious spot that we are on uh, in on the table. So we're, we're wedged in the middle between, uh, not in terms of either chasing that top spot or just trying to solidify the top two spot and then a, an easier passage to the grand final. So if you lose one of these, you know, three or four and Sydney keep winning, do you try and, you know, 
rotate the squad heavily to try and experiment and you know, rest players and just say, you know, we're happy enough with second spot, let's not go chasing. Absolutely not. Um, and Australia Day will be the litmus test because yeah. obviously if we win the games that we have and the game in hand, we're four points behind. Then we play Sydney on Australia Day and that will take us to one point behind. Yeah. Be the biggest big blue of all time. It's going to be big. I can't wait. I can't wait for it. Where is it, this one? Is it, is it Eddie Had's or is it Amy's? I think it's an Amy. Completely unprepared Eddie Had's, for uh, some other filth is being played at Eddie Had lately. Some How have you been enjoying the Big Bash? Filth. How have you been enjoying the Big Bash, buds? No, Back it's at Eddie Had Stadium, Australia Day. There well, there you go. go. Yeah. Hello. The filth is gone. I've been enjoying the Big Bash. Stars got done on the last ball last night, but still... Ah, that sucks. Still still enjoyable. Every game every game is good. It is, and that's really that's worrying because every game comes subject. down to the wire. <laughs> well, actually, we're just going to leave it there. That's it. Uh, we've run out of time, so that's, uh, that's it. Uh, Chris Beanhead Bentley, thank you for, for joining us on the show. At no short notice. Pleasure as always, lads. Boys, it's uh, been good to have you back. Uh, we're going to be back in about four days' time, I believe. We're going to be back on the Monday night after the uh, or next week after the other game. Mm-hmm. So tune in. Um, as I said, some details about the live podcast will be coming to you. What's your score prediction for Adelaide? Do we do them? Do we oh, do you said 2-1. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'll say 2-1 as, as well. I had 3-1. Three, one. Three, yeah, one. I think I went 3-1 on the forum the other day as well. Yep, I'm worried, but I think we should still win it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, yeah, don't forget to, uh, to like the Facebook page, also Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, everything else, and but mostly Facebook and the forum. Uh, that's it for now. Goodbye. Mon the Vak. Mon. Mon the vac.